Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Work. This is a podcast that I host with Gina Killey, my partner in crime for many years now. And today we're going to be spending some time with Cecile LaRue, who sometimes goes as Cecile Alper LaRue. And so maybe we'll get the big insight into when to use the hyphenation and when not to. Anyhow, Cecile, if you don't know her, Cecile is the most successful anthropologist in the HR technology space. She uses her background in technology and anthropology to drive research and innovation at UKG. And she's been doing that for as long as I've known her, even before it was UKG. So Cecile, welcome. And by the way, Cecile is calling in from the south of France. I am. Thank you so much, John and Jean, for having me. I'm delighted, delighted to be joining you. It's a, it's a beautiful sunny day in, in, in La Provence Verte. Oh, how envious I am of you. <laughs> mm, I can smell the flowers. We were, just before the show started, we were on a really interesting tangent that, that gets to, I think, the heart of your work, which is the intersection of people as they actually are and the tasks that need to be accomplished and how you marry those two things. Um, let's let's move that a little bit because we're, 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 from my perspective, still in the throes of COVID. We've got people in the workforce who are trying to make sense out of all of this stuff. And our organizations haven't figured out how to adapt to the to the fact that our people have become even more human than they were two or three years ago. What are you thinking about that? So, so it, it's interesting that you that you use the the term that people have become even more human than they were a few years ago. And I, I think that the, the very nature of, of humans is that they are the most human. Um, but, but what you're really saying, I believe, so tell me if I'm wrong on this, is that we have become more human in the workplace. Um, we have felt the, the need um, because the workplace has, has changed uh, for, for, many, for many of us. Um, it's become either more, uh, more, more rule-driven, more fraught with danger than it, than it was before. If you are working on site, so to speak, um, if you are working remotely, it's become more human because so many more people are fully aware of what you do, where you are, who's around you um, <laughs> when you're when you're at home. So, so, so there's been a lot that's said about that. Um, but when when I think about, um, I, I, I fully agree with your your assessment that we are in the throes of of COVID. Um, Certainly, mask mandates have been lifted. Uh, I think I'll always wear a mask, by the way, on a plane. Um, that's just a that's that's something that I would never have thought would would be uh, something that comforted me. Um, but but knowing that I can wear a mask and not be sort of looked differently upon because of that has changed some some of how I act. But 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 truly, um, I think one of the things that's that's probably been the most disconcerting about work and what the focus has been on um, over the past year as we sort of come out of the most uh, crisis fraught 
part of COVID where the, the uncertainty is, is waning a little bit and we're kind of looking at the at the wreckage, if you if you will, I don't want to be too mm -hmm. too down about it, but there there's an awful lot of, of of wreckage and cleanup that needs to be done. And I think what's most concerning to me is that, unfortunately, organizations are more focused on returning to offices, returning to work. Again, it's such an absurd thought because most of us worked as much, if not more, um, through all of this, regardless of of how or where. Um, rather than actually considering what's needed to be able to assess the damage that has been done, understand that, and allow people to move forward in a way that's much more natural and, to your point, human, rather than corporate. Do, so do you think that, you know, we're all reading about the great resignation and, and despite the economic indicators that, you know, we're also going to have some layoffs going on in 2022, um, do you think the great resignation is tied to people just being weary, uh, just, just, you know, the humanity of it, the vulnerability of it? Um, do you think that's what's driving it? And is it also this this absolute, you know, that that some some employers are just uh, have they think we're all going back to 2019 and everything will be fine again. Yeah. So, so I'm not necessarily a fan of even the the, the term the Great Resignation. Um, maybe because I'm I'm always a I, I try to be optimistic about things and and I I wish that it were truly the Great Realization. The, the great realization that we, we didn't pay enough attention I love that to yeah. what people really needed. And we didn't actually do a good job of listening. If, if you remember in 2019 and even a few years before, everyone's like, we really need to listen to what employees are saying. So we're going to create more technology and tools. Right. And, listening and then, tools, and yes. We'll, <laughs> yeah, and listening tools. And then and then we'll put together some action plans and um and we'll and we'll make people feel really heard because of that. But right. After we analyze the aggregated it, data. Exactly. <laughs> it didn't it didn't really happen and it yeah. certainly didn't change behavior. And that's really obvious now because the way that we're addressing again this this sort of psychic trauma fatigue, as, as you put it, Gene, also, is, is that we're just saying, come on, buck up and get back to it. You want to make sure that you're not one of the people who's laid off. So there was sort of this fear that, you know, oh, there wouldn't be enough people. But let, let's, let's, let's face it, the demographics are such that there may be a bit of a, of a, of a of, of respite for, for large organizations or, 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 or companies when it comes to, to hiring. So, so, but but the, the the demographics are such that there won't be enough people, and so yeah. this is the opportunity to to truly learn. And we we haven't really even learned that well from everything that I've seen. And that and that may seem like an unpopular thing to say, um, but the the behavior that I am observing is, look, we need this to happen. We need you to be physically present, um, and that in itself is creating um, what would be seen as uh, a, a pretty hostile environment for many people who have gone through trauma and other challenges over this time. And so I'm not, I'm not too sure. And again, it may not be a popular thing to say, um, but, but I, it, it feels like we, there are so many incredible opportunities and lessons to have learned. And I think some organizations have learned, but, but I think that 
overall, um, there's, there's, there's far more that we could and should be doing. Um, and, and I don't know if a, if a, if a listening tool is going to get us there. Um, I think there has to be more space given to individuals. And this is not about just saying, well, everyone take your time. This isn't about coddling people, but, but it is um, creating enough space to, to have conversations that can either help people heal or, or move on or help make to help them make decisions that this isn't necessarily what I need to do. John, you you've made some very interesting observations throughout the uh, you know the the throes of the pandemic. Not that we're totally out of it, um, especially around bereavement and around loss in the workplace and the 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 workers we've lost. Also, uh, do you want to touch upon that? Well, before I do, yes, I do. But before I do, I want to I want to notice that that we're really at the end of an era, and a lot of the things that that we're sort of talking about here are what happens when ways of thinking about things and ways of doing work change. Um, mm-hmm. This is it, imagine that what's happening to us is exactly the same thing that happened to the people at Kodak. But it's happening to us as a culture, and and we're t- trying to take our old ways of thinking about stuff and apply them to a completely new situation. And well, what happens when you do that is you go out of business, and there is a new class of leadership that has learned. Um, Cecile was telling a story about her daughter and her daughter's ability to say, "I can perform well today." or I can't perform well today, but I'll perform twice as well on another day. And understanding that variability in her performance, we all have that kind of variability in our performance. There are no humans who are machines who do this shit, bang, 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 like you'd think was normal if you went to work inside of a contemporary corporation. But there's this new thing that's emerging that is softer, more networked, more productive because it recognizes the strengths of individuals and and probably you know simply it's it's more um female-ish than it is male-ish and that that's a thing that you get partly because we're dealing with the things that you asked about gene which is which is um, um I don't know anybody anymore who hasn't lost somebody to COVID. And I don't know anybody who hasn't had to do heroic stuff to do the normal traditional rituals associated with bereavement. And we've got offices full of people who are, you know, you know when, I, when I was coming up, somebody having a relative die happened relatively infrequently. Um, and part of being in an aging society with COVID is that relatives die frequently. Um, and we don't have a way, we don't have, we don't have a way to deal with an office where half of the office is grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't, we don't have that at all. And, and yeah. I mean, look at develop some ways of dealing with that. But but I mean, just look at, you know, what guides the workforce. Look at like employee handbooks Uh, and and the uh, John just spit out his coffee. For those of you listening in, (laughs) 
I really took so. us down a rabbit hole here very quickly. But um, <laughs> I mean, when you when you look at the 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 ridiculous language in employee handbooks about bereavement and about you know what you are entitled to based on how close the relationship was of the person right. who I mean, these are insane. This is. But and and John, you know, just to to go back to something I heard you say. I mean, in terms of daily productivity, we did really paint ourselves into a corner where even as knowledge workers, we were expected to act as if we were factory workers producing X number of widgets a day, and all of our you know performance and productivity has been measured. Um, yeah, so so let me let me turn the employee handbook uh, uh, verbiage uh, topic over to both Cecile and John. <laughs> what, what, what's interesting, though, I think that that's happened, and and this does get get to the the more human uh, comment that that John you made earlier. I, I think there's a an alternate sort of human employee handbook that's that that's arisen through. Uh, some of what's happened that actually puts sort of the, the primacy of, of teams and the nature and the health of a team in, in the spotlight more than ever. I, I, I truly, not only have I seen and experienced, but people are starting to cover for each other when they're in healthy, high-performing teams. And part of that high performance comes from people actually covering for each other. Now, some people may say, well, that that's, you know, you, there, there's, the, the whole idea of, of ratting out someone who is having a really, really bad day that could have happened in the past when someone is like, come on, they're not pulling their weight. There is the, the, some of the humanity that's come back into work, I believe has created these sort of formal support systems. And maybe that's some of my anthropology coming out, but these informal support systems or, or reinforced support systems through teams think, just, I, I remember when I was a child, my, my mom used to say things, uh, she, she would say, stand up for each other, for, to, to, our, to, to my sister and my brother. And so even if you know, it's against us, your parents, stick up for each other. And I think some of that is starting to happen where, where you're seeing this humanity, which makes uh, teams not even being physically present, but the notion of a team and how people connect and create space to support each other even more important. And, and that I think is, is another um, one of these, these new institutions that organizations don't really know how to deal with, or maybe they shouldn't be dealing with, or they don't even recognize. And, and they're incredibly powerful in the world of work right now. I think you just described distributed leadership. Um, and distributed leadership is something that's part of this next era of stuff where where the structures are self-reinforcing in sort of a horizontal way rather than everything coming from the top and flowing to the bottom. So my my work life, which has evolved enormously because of all of this, has a huge content of understanding and supporting and relating to people on an emotional level that just wasn't part of, of work for me for the bulk of my life. And, and it's just happened very naturally because everybody I work with is living in the same world that I live in, which is just 
catastrophe city, right? It's, it's just one goddamn thing after another for everybody all the time right now. And if we don't cover each other's backs, things fall apart. You know, if we start to if we start to say you're not carrying your weight, so it's your fault that things are screwing up, right? That's the 20th century. In the the 21st century, it's, oh, I understand. You can't lift it all the way today. I'll pick up the slack. Exactly. And and, and that requires a different kind of leadership to to not over-direct it, not over-program it, because again, that's not something that can be forced because at the end of the day, it's trust-based. And it's yeah. and and it's model and it's modeled. So there's there's more modeled um, distributed leadership has 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 a modeling component, but it's certainly not a, a, a hierarchical. Um, you'll do this because this is what the boss says, hmm. because you, you don't see that happening. So where do yeah. we find these leaders, though? Because you know, uh, not every leader is capable of leading under this model. Yeah. Where do we find those folks? Where do we, from where do we develop them? Well, I, I think, develop is, 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 go ahead. No, I'm sorry, John, go ahead. No, I, I think we're developing them right now. We're developing them. And part of the way we're developing them, the, the, if you do this thing wrong, the burdens are huge and it ruins you, right? If, if you don't learn how to let other people help while you're carrying the load, you break, um, and there'll be enough of that breakage in leadership so that that we'll start to have some repeatable models like the stories we've been telling already in this conversation. That's how that's how the trade will happen because we don't know how to do this yet. Or, I all, or, I also, or the boys don't, and they have to learn from the girls. I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> Maybe I, I don't know if it's as mu- if it's as 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 if it's as gendered or age-based uh, as as any as anyone might might consider, um, but I, I do think that that there are more leaders who will select select out and self-select out. That's actually become more appropriate. They may not be happy about it, may be frustrated. I'll find another place where I don't have to deal with this. Um, those places eventually will run out. It might take some time, but I, I believe that that leaders who cannot do this will self-select because their performance, um, their team's performance, um, the attrition that they will see will accelerate uh, such that it, it will become obvious. It, it will take some time though, Jean, in, in fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you do, when you, when you say develop, um, I actually think that we're going to have to identify how to, uh, how to develop some of the, the behaviors for truly distributed leadership. I think right now it's under the guise of how do you lead well in a hybrid environment? <laughs> that's, sort of, that's sort of what 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 the focus is, you know, and it's um and, and I, I I do think that some of the these required skills, not forcing as much, not forcing a, a conversation, not demanding that um that that performances as even. Um, and of course this gets to the very heart of what is the next iteration of software and set of tools that help that will actually support a different way of working? Because I, I guarantee 
you <laughs> that traditional performance models, and I'm not just talking about, oh, well, we need to do more continuous performance. No, the nature of that understanding, what does performance serve? How, who does it serve? And, and, and how does it serve uh, individuals? That is going to have to be thought of completely differently. What is the purpose of a benefit? And when um, does it serve individuals? How does it serve? All of those things have to be thought very thought of very, very differently. And I think it's going to lead to, not to bring us back to technology, but can't hurt, to uh, the, the need for a completely different set of, of, of capabilities that I, I'm barely seeing, if, if anything, um, on the horizon yet. Yeah, that's very interesting. I'm not seeing um, a lot of C, uh, yeah, I'm not seeing C change in performance management technology. I am seeing movement in learning technologies um, and certainly coaching. Uh, you know, we've seen a big, a big focus on coaching technologies recently. Um, who should be driving this? How, how does an organization drive this? That's on, such John. a great question. That's such a great <laughs> it, question. It is a great question. Um, it's, it's, that, it's that age old question. Who's responsible for engagement? Exactly. Is it HR? Is it leaders? Yeah. Is it the employees themselves? Um, and, and, and certainly employees are, are, are voting with, uh, with their feet. They're, they're voting, <laughs> they're voting with, uh, with, their, with their behaviors and all of those sorts of things. So um, who should be driving? Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. I, I, would, I believe that first and foremost, we put too much on leaders and yet they are the, the most closely connected, especially in a more distributed sort of model um, with employees, honestly. They have, yeah. to, they have to have tools. And, and right now, if you think about things like manager self-service and uh, the tools that are given to managers are abysmal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they are abysmal. Agreed. But, but, but honestly, this new way of working has to be driven by, 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 by leaders and teams themselves. Which so requires collaboration. Like, yeah, you have to have technology. It requires to, collaboration. Yeah. 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 And, and collaboration tools themselves that aren't designed to, to surface challenges associated with ways of working, for example, are too clumsy. So we've yeah. got some great collaboration tools, but they were designed to facilitate sharing information, not necessarily sharing emotional state mm -hmm. or, or human aspects of, of whether or not something is going to get, get done based on any number of factors. And, and that's a fundamental shift, if you think about it. For people to be able to say, hey, I'm going to need to reach out to, you know, John's always been really, really great in helping out at this particular time. So I know I can count on him. So I'm going to reach out to him and make sure that he understands why. And, and by the way, I think it also demands a lot more why, which our systems are not designed to, uh, to accommodate. 
Oh, I, I agree totally. I think the why is, I mean, we, we are still in a very command and control dictatorial um, model. Transactional um, world. Very transactional. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't even know that people step back and question that. I, I think there's a lot of, well, we've always done this this way, or this is the way we move things forward day by day. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of people who look broadly and strategically in organizations. Everyone's forced to look quarter to quarter. And um, yeah. and that makes this all so difficult uh, as we look at, you know, how work is evolving. What do you think is going to happen? We've touched on hybrid work. I don't know if you're seeing this, but I'm hearing more and more of this. We're not going back to hybrid work. We're going to work from anywhere. And, um, and which, you know, just feels a bit revolutionary and rock star like, but I'm amazed at kind of some, some rather staid conservative organizations have just decided to jettison the corporate campus and, and, you know, let everyone work from anywhere. What's your thought on that, Cecile? I, I think, I think they're experimenting and I think it, it, it makes, it makes, organizations more nervous than it should. And they're sort of looking at, all right, what, what are the, what's the cost benefit? There's still something very transactional about that to try to see, all right, how well is this gonna work? Are we going to actually get more or better, better people um, based on this policy? I still think there's a lot of experimentation that's happening. I don't feel that we've landed very well because it still feels very, very bi bipolar if I, <laughs> if I can. There are organizations that are like, absolutely not. We are going back to what it was because we know that this is important and we value it. The we being a small group of individuals. Mm -hmm. which doesn't necessarily work very well for, um, for a lot of employees. For others, they're totally okay with that. Uh, and so I think there's still a lot of experimentation um, to be had. To, to, to our earlier conversation, the, the COVID and the aftermath of COVID, we're, we haven't really taken stock yet. So this is, I'm, I'm encouraged by that because I think we do have to do that sort of wild experimentation and we'll see who does well and we'll see who realizes actually, you know what, those office, those, that office space is totally worth the, the, the millions and millions of dollars that we spend on it or not. I, I so, personally, uh, yeah. yeah, I personally am very glad that I did not invest in, in, you know, um, commercial real estate during this period of time. <laughs> yeah, <I'm laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it, it's, it, this is a hard one. This is a hard one. I, I saw something the other day where there was a webinar about bringing employees back to the office that was um, using messaging around that employees really want to be back together. They physically want to be back together and that they think better in the office. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, that, that struck me as, as, as a hard sell. Um, John, I, I, look, yeah. John looks like a, he wants to. a lot of hubris, but yeah, John, yeah. let's hear from you. On this yeah, thing. John looks like he wants to add to this. It's such an odd thing to say the way we used to do it is the way we should do it again. Right. That's that's just the opposite of everything that makes business grow, that makes ideas grow. The the whole the whole history of the last hundred and fifty years is let's learn about the new way of doing things. 
and and here you have this moment where there's a retrenchment going on that that says we shouldn't continue to learn as much as we can and grow as fast as well, we that's can. That's fear, just, though. That's fear. And, and, mm -hmm. and that just it just blows my mind that it's so yes. intense because we we already have enough information to know that vulnerability is a better path for leadership than dictatorial rule. We know yeah. that. We know we know this. You can see examples all over the place. Uh, maybe we need to talk about the examples more. But but the t the teams that prosper are led by people who are fallible, um, and and understand that they're fallible, and understand that that there can be multiple truths that are simultaneously true. That 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 you, that there isn't a single narrative um, most of the time. It's good for messaging. It's good for telling people about stuff, pretending that there's one story, but there isn't really one story. And and you can't manage a world that has more than one story with a method that um, assumes that there's just one story. Um, I think that's the difference. And, and Jean, I think it's fear, but I also think it is hubris to what to 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 think yeah. not just that there's one story, but also um, that people aren't seeing through. And I think this assumption that not just the way things were was better. We've seen so many interesting um, or heard so many interesting stories and statistics about how for so many individuals that, by the way we know we need to create the whole topic of more diverse, um, more, more blended workforces, the, the, the workforce that has much more variability to be able to survive and, and, and actually thrive mm -hmm. when there's a lot of disruption, when there's um, more than uncertainty, but this sort of, when we're in a mode of experimentation, diversity is even more important. And so to, to create an environment in which people feel they can't authentically say because it's going to count against them, you know what? Because of the color of my skin or because of my gender, things were actually awful before and they've, been, they've gotten better for me now. Mm -hmm. I'm much less afraid to say X, Y, and Z. I can be off camera on a bad day. I can, all of these things. And to, and to think that in that moment, we're not, we're not actually, you know, pushing through and changing the way that we approach things. That's where I feel like it's hubris more than anything, more, more than fear, where it's like, really, you're just that so sure? You're so sure that, that that old way was going to work for everyone. And, yeah. and even the idea of messaging, and, and we've talked about this, messaging is so important, but to create a story that, you know, doesn't really ring true for a lot of people, it seems misguided right now. When it's we disingenuous. To, yeah. Yes. We need yeah. to be listening more. We yeah. need to be listening more. And again, creating more space for experimentation and say, okay, let's see what happens. Why don't you take this team? Because your team feels really, really strongly about this. And, and you go full remote. Yep. Other people are going to sort of fight. Let's see what happens with engagement if we experiment. And we're very intentional and obvious about the experiments that we're doing within the organization then if people know that they're part of an experiment, they're okay with it. But if, 
but if you're trying to tell them, trust me, you love this. Yeah. <laughs> well, no. If you're asking for their participation in the workforce, um, you know that includes everything, and that's you know their opinion and and their engagement. I, I, I regretfully we are at the end of our time together. Uh, as always, Cecile, we could talk for hours. Um, John, any closing comments before I no. I wrap us up? No. Thanks for taking the time, Cecile. This was a great conversation. Open. As all do great conversations do, opened many more questions than it offered answers, and, and I think that's why this podcast is particularly good because we um, offer questions um, and don't offer a lot of answers. I, I love that you've given our listeners a lot to think about today, Cecile. Cecile, how do people get in touch with you if they'd like to? So you can get in touch with me on Twitter. Um, I don't have the kind of following that either of you do, but you can certainly get a hold of me there at Cecile HCM, uh, which probably needs to change at this point since the world has changed so much. Um, and I'm also, uh, anyone can also reach me at, uh, at cecile.larue at ukg.com. Um, and, and drop me, drop me a note, uh, LinkedIn also, but, uh, you know, the, the usual channels, but thank you so much for, for letting me be part of this conversation. I always learn and think so much differently after having a chance to speak to, 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 to both of you. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Cecile. This is the work. Please listen to The Work Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts, such as Spotify. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thank you for your time.